The land speaks. All is animate. In October 2015, many forces came together in my life, the remaining ripples of which began to settle last year when I turned 50. Looking back over seven years later, I see threads emerging that are now woven into my writing and art life, including here at Uncivil Savant. I want to share something of those beginnings with you, to allow a better understanding of how I came to be exploring this territory, and why I care so deeply about the embodied life as a gateway to wisdom, equal and complementary to paths of scholarship or faith. In those days, I was a busy Tai Chi teacher, with weekly classes in London, monthly workshops in Scotland, and sessions three times a year in Gothenburg, Sweden. I studied two or three times a week with my Tai Chi master and did a bit of part-time paid work, but all my artistic practices had withered. Real animal joy was slipping out of my life, inexorably, and I didn't know how to go about stemming the flow. I had recently read The Wake and discovered The Dark Mountain Project and felt a stirring in my bones to meet artists and writers for whom Earth mattered more than cleverly illustrating the zeitgeist. I signed up for a small weekend event in the wilds of Glencoe, Scotland, run by Charlotte Ducan and Doogie Strang. Below is the letter I sent as thanks once home on my boat. I've shortened three names for anonymity and added footnotes where useful for context. I didn't write this for publication, but rereading it today, I see that so much of my current life is there in acorn form. Hearty thanks to the wild red woo-way squirrel of fate who dug my life back into the ground and then forgot about me so that I could sprout. May my leafy boughs shelter your great grand kits. Carrying the Fire Dear Charlotte and Doogie, I hope you are both well and recovered from your travels. What an amazing weekend with such open-hearted folk. Thank you both again. I needed to write a few words about what happened at CTF, Carrying the Fire and what was revealed about those events, even as I was aboard the train on my way to Glasgow. Firstly, I have to say, I had never heard the names Oshin or Kayak before that weekend. I did not know what they meant. I didn't know any tales about them, or indeed about Finn McCool, to my shame. I know a little more about Roman, Greek, Indian, Viking or Taoist mythic worlds, but not so much from the Celtic lands. It's hard to know where to start with this tale, so I'll just start telling it and see what happens. Since my friend B and my student N died this last month, and as Sowin approached, both my partner and I had felt the veils between life and death to be thinner than we'd ever felt them to be. This was not an abstract conception, but a felt sense, sort of tremulous and shimmering, accompanied by a heightened awareness of the fleetingness of ordinary life, and the sheer luck of our particular existences. We talked about this over the week before CTF and discussed the premature yet exemplary way in which both men had died, without struggle, with their dear partner beside them in their own homes. Feeling blessed to be alive and with no plan other than to be really present at CTF and to be prepared in my heart to give a eulogy at N's funeral, I arrived at Kuro to find the stag and be led to where I had to go. Doogie's stories bound me to the place. Immediately, I did not feel like a tourist. I often haven't enjoyed storytellings. Perhaps my head has been all wrong, too accustomed to the written word 
and to film's familiar pace, or perhaps the teller has been heavy-handed. This time, I was transported to exactly where I was, not just when I was, but somewhen more ancient. Throughout the introductions, the meal, the amazing fire circle singing and telling, I felt part of a family outside time, which I had only felt with my Tai Chi posse over the years, and perhaps with a few special friends, and on my own a few times in nature, one of which I sung about in the circle. It was not a psychological or therapeutic setting, but a deeply connected, almost mythic space which you help create. I have only seen it properly described in the words of Ridley Walker, or perhaps the books of Ursula Le Guin. People are not the only people there. Land, rocks, mountains and lakes, beings and heroes of the past, forces and gods are at the fireside too. I had not realised the extent to which a human heart, made soft and yielding by sincere practice and by fate, by which I mean the events of one's life over which one has no control, could be so thoroughly permeable to these other guests at the hearth. I had not realised how much I had been hollowed out and therefore how much I might get filled. The second day, kayak and the medicine wheel. I slept very well and woke to incredible sunshine, then practised Tai Chi by the loch shore like some come-to-Scotland advertisement. Charlotte echoed what was in my heart about silence, stillness, and letting go, and I was glad to get out on the rocks that Kayak had strewn from her apron. I had planned to sit, but as soon as I was upon the right rock, I just stood there, facing the mountain. For me, being silent for a whole week or more is, if not exactly commonplace, than what I do at least every year on retreat. Also, to just stand, or just be, in a place, is what I deem to be good medicine. Frequently, the very first thing we teach a new student in our tradition is to stand still, feel the earth, and listen attentively without interfering. And yet I have never stood quite like that before. My feet felt like knees or thighs, and the rock, or even the bedrock under the peat, felt like my real feet. When the wind blew, I did not sway in the usual way, but seemingly from below where I was standing. In telling this tale, I may begin to sound woo-woo, which is a term I have picked up from Doogie and run with. It's excellent. However, you didn't know me before, Sawin, and so don't know quite how un-woo-woo, unmagical, and frankly how averse to New Age or vaguely spiritual fluff I have been especially up until my late thirties. So, I stood facing the slopes, really still, totally relaxed, quiet-minded for about 25 minutes. When my body naturally turned, I felt myself facing a quarter-turn right to the hills, then later towards the loch, and then facing the sun, finally back to face the mountain. I climbed down onto another rock which had a large-shaped indent where I lay semi-reclined, facing the mountain. From somewhere, I started singing to Kayak for about eight minutes. The song didn't repeat, and I didn't interrupt myself as to why the song came out. I only remembered four lines when I came back to the group, and someone asked me to sing it. For some reason, I had the goddess Bridget, Bree or Bride, on my mind all day, and had even asked Doogie about her. Her name is in many place names in Dorset, where I'm from and she was in my song, though I had no idea why. It began something like, Here 
Look, I bring you word. I bring you word from Bridget. A greeting in this song, brought by my son daughter. The rest of the content of the song was propitious and seemed to be some kind of gift or offering. Again, it ended by itself, and I walked back humming the tune, which I still remember, and joined you all at the hostel. It was difficult to begin to speak in words. The dream map was drawn up, food shared, the walk to the station magically happened at dusk, and songs beneath the stag rounded the circle. All of this great beauty was already enough. Then you guys got off the train at Crean Larif. We all started singing Ghost of John, a couple who had been to a performance on Sky, someone had mentioned during the weekend, by Hannah Tuliki, got talking to some of us, and I took them some chocolate a while later. As they chatted, I looked at the programme they'd brought. As I read it, I realised it told the story of the annual ceremonial defeat of Bridget by Kayak, each Sawin and had been reenacted at the tomb of a very real sacrificial Iron Aid Bridget, found at High Pasture Cave on Skye. As I sat there, slightly spluttering and getting hotter, the others asked me what had happened, and as I read it became even more strange. My ad-libbed song seemed to tell a large part of the mythic story as outlined in the research notes in the leaflet. I have never read the story before, and I don't know any links between Brie and Kayak. In fact, I had mistakenly thought they might be analogous rather than separate aspects of the triple goddess. Over the rest of the journey, I talked with the others about what had happened. My group of three others from earlier remembered the song and were as gobsmacked as me. The young couple came and gave me their programme later on, saying they could get another one and that I clearly needed to have it. We all left the train in good cheer, I arrived at my host's home in Aberdeenshire at 2am and fell fast asleep. And all of that was uncanny and wonderful enough. We set out the next day to End's funeral, held at Fingen Church on the banks of the River Fjöp, where I had visited as a young child with my maternal grandmother, who was from Aberdeenshire. En had lived here most of his life, apart from his difficult, creative time in London. It was at Fingen, aged eight, that I had first seen salmon leaping the falls to make their way upstream. The shape of their dark bodies against the white, frothy water is one of my clearest childhood memories and is why I recognised them again with joy in a split second when I saw fish jumping at the new state-of-the-art Thames fish ladder right by my boat earlier this year. The funeral was the most amazing ceremony I have ever had the honour of attending. Between N's express wishes and the sensitivity of his partner A to conveying his life and way, the most beautiful alchemy occurred. Everyone was in their favourite colourful clothes by N's request. The atmosphere was a continuation from CTF. Tai Chi and Shiatsu colleagues, friends, family and neighbours sat around his beautiful wicker coffin, which rested simply on the ground. Music, eulogies and singing took place. I told how N would have loved the song around the fire at CTF and how folks had said, He is here! And how people, when united in fellow feeling and in nature, become a kind of kin. Then S, N's younger daughter, played an incredibly moving work on the violin, the piece Oshin by J. Scott Skinner. 
Outside, N had asked that we do a Tai Chi short form around his coffin, and in the unseasonably bright hot sunshine, we did just that, as well as movements we call front heart salutations, which our grandmaster John Kells created, which, in a nutshell, are a physical practice to encourage us to outreach into and call back from the unknown in a similar way to how the CTF weekend felt, i.e. with openness, rawness and heart. I invited anyone to join in with these and to feel all these people around us moving together without rehearsal, natural and unselfconsciously, was a real joy. Two friends gently drummed us down to his plot in the burial meadow, which I learned in Scotland is rather wonderfully called the lair. There was a round song, even as we threw earth onto the coffin, after it had been lowered into the soil. Between tears and sobs, there were also coherent melodies and simple words, weaving and entwining, before breaking down again, but always someone carried the tune, and so we could rejoin again after the next breath. It rose and fell for as long as it lasted, and then softly returned to silence. I felt I learned something of the inklings, of the beginnings, of song, of true mourning, of real community, of something genuine and so much older than any specific religious church service or sanitised humanist ceremony could have offered. The wake at Fingen Hall was to be a celebration of N's life, and so people brought lots of wonderful food to share. Everyone spoke with everyone, stories were shared and tales told, lots of laughter and tears as well as endless tea and coffee, some wine, and delicious aged cheese from Holland, courtesy of A's family. At some point music was being played and the sun went down. A violinist and a pianist were preparing to play traditional songs, so we could all dance a few sets and have a Kaylee. A boy of about three years was running about naked until his mother called him back before the first dance. Oshin, Oshin, come here so you don't get your feet stepped on. Dashing white sergeant, the gay Gordons, one other I forgot the name of, and then an Orcadian strip the willow. These dances, which I mostly haven't danced since I was a young girl at the Caledonian Society in Bournemouth, were still there in my body and the caller called them out of me. We all danced our hearts out, threw our partners around, and yee-hooed! I am sure there is a hidden Scottish martial art encoded in Strip the Willow. Afterwards, to many a, and would have loved that. We also agreed that he had started a craze. Everyone now wanted a funeral like this. I finally headed home the next day, and over the following week at classes, shared the story of the celebration with all the London students who had not been able to come. N was well-loved in the school, in Scotland, in Sweden, and in London, and will be greatly missed, but will also be held as a great inspiration. Now I have heard a little of Oshin, I realise those qualities of the bard, the musician, he played fiddle, the poet, the warrior, and the lover, of nature, the land, and of people were so strong in him, and why S chose to play that song. It was his real life, and genuine daily practice that made him who he was. He built his own wooden house, raised his garden, nurtured his family there. In teaching Tai Chi and Shiatsu, he directly alleviated suffering in his community and benefited those he met. It is our lived lives and our everyday choices that express our hearts, not 
flimsy intentions or wistful thoughts. His practice was in no way held up or inconvenienced by illness or death. These were opportunities to practice his heart work and love. I can't say how or why Oshin, Kayak and Bridget found their way into my lived story that weekend or what it means, if it means anything at all. I'm eternally grateful for your part in it, Doogie and Charlotte, and to all those who were there with us. All I can say is that I was genuinely raw, open and truly interested in the people and land around me. In other words, not busy dwelling on self. Perhaps some aspect of the land sung something through me, to itself, sort of, here's a nice empty one, let's borrow her for a while to sing that old song again. The feeling of the weekend was the same immersed naturalness that I first felt again since childhood, aged 30, under an oak tree by Derwent Water, whilst attending to a call of nature. Sharing the song of it in the fire circle on Samhain was perhaps a door to the way of being that I was singing, remembering. Anyway, my ideas about what happened are immaterial. I just wanted to share the story with you while it was fresh in my body, and this is the first evening I've had to write. I genuinely love the land of these isles that make up Britain. I love many of its customs and ways, especially some of the old ones, and a few of the new ones too. When I find fossils on Portland, I get bone-deep joy. But if you showed me a far-off society where sowing was celebrated as we did at Carrying the Fire, and the death of a dear one was marked in the way it was for Ennet Fingen, I would go into exile from this country to live there with those good people and become part of that culture. Ceremony, gathering together and marking the passage of the year and of our lives, is so important to me and it's lost in the wider human culture here in Britain, from which I'm mostly alienated and managed to evade by living moored beside a tiny island in the middle of a river. My heart was at home over Samhain, and through unparalleled good fortune, I was at home both culturally and geographically. People are made refugees every day and must leave their hearths for uncertain futures. Even within this country, Britons are displaced from the beneficial aspects of their culture and nature by the market, homelessness, delusion and a thousand other causes. I don't know why I have had the luck over time to find the sangas I need to stay sane and reasonably well, but I am grateful and hope to sing more songs of thanks to ancient landforms and to excellent persons, mythic or otherwise, as the earth and time so moves me. I send love and best wishes, and count me in on the springs and wells cleaning. I have chest waders and will travel. Caro. 13th of November, 2015. River Thames. Surrey. <laughs>